Good morning, church. Woo. I felt that song in my spirit. Mm. Mm. Lord, I want to come. Come before you, Lord God. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, that you are here with us. Thanking you, Lord God, that your spirit is here with us. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, for your truth. Thanking you, Lord God, that you never give up on us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this room this morning, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Empty me, Lord God. Let it be you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, welcome. My name is Joy, and I'm one of the associate pastors on staff. It's been a good morning so far, right? Woo! You know, we are in this current study where we are studying the book of Galatians. And the book, as we know, is, also, is actually a letter. And so each week, we're going to go through a new chapter. Our goal is not to give you an exhaustive look into the book of Galatians, but one of our, our fewer our goals would be to give you some biblical insights so that you may grow in your understanding, um, grow in the gospel, and grow in your faith. It's also to encourage you in your own personal studies that you'll leave here and open up the Bible and look to see what does Galatians have to say to you. And in that, lastly, providing some material um, for the small groups that we have going on throughout this week. Yes, small groups. Um, David was able to kick off um, last week. He gave us some overview and background of um, the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians. And in that, um, he, he actually, sorry, I, got, I, I love my sister. I got distracted. Okay, I'm on it though. He gave us the book. He gave us an overview. What I want to do this morning is catch us up. If you have not been with us, I want us to all get on the same page. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of key information that's going to help us get into the next book. So Paul is the author. The author of Galatians. Galatians is a different type of book or letter because it actually wasn't just sent to one church. It was sent to multiple churches. And those multiple churches were multi-ethnic churches comprised of Jews and Gentiles. He also wrote this letter because he wanted to respond to a theological crisis that was going on in the church, in, in the churches of Galatia. And then lastly, he really wanted to encourage the believers, Jews and Gentiles, to live out their faith according to the gospel of Jesus. Now they're on the same page, we're going to dive into chapter 2. That's what I'm going to speak about today, chapter 2. The title of this message, I don't know, I don't normally do titles, but I felt the title this morning. The title of this message is Let Freedom Ring. I purposely chose this title because I wanted to evoke thoughts about Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights activist, and his speech, I Have a Dream. 
You know, he gave this speech within, um, during, in the summer of 1963 at the Lincoln Memorial. And the purpose of his speech was intended to bring awareness of the problem of inequality he, and to give Americans hope and a faith that one day all ethnicities, including black and white, would be equal. Over the years, this speech became the hope and the freedom for all humanity that one day we would be set free from the evils and the bondages of racism. You know, as I sat and I studied Galatians 2, I came to the realization that Paul had a similar desire for hope and freedom for all. While MAK was fighting for economic freedom and, and hope in that way, Paul was actually fighting for a spiritual hope and freedom. And as we learned from chapter one, the simple truth of the gospel, right? This is what he was fighting for, which is that the death on the cross, the burial and the resurrection provided a way for Jews and Gentiles to be rescued and adopted into God's family. We're going to continue to study this morning going throughout Galatians and we'll learn that the truth was being distorted. And the gospel that Jesus had brought for the Jews and the Gentiles, the freedom of that gospel was being impeded upon from the Jews to the Gentiles. Let's keep, as we keep that idea of Paul kind of fighting for hope and freedom in our backdrop, we're going to look further in two. So in chapter two, so in chapter two, one of the other unique things that it starts out with two narratives, and we're going to kind of contrast those two narratives. So the first narrative is within verses one through 10. We learned that Paul had returned to Jerusalem after 14 years, and he strategically took Barnabas and Titus with him. You know, Paul, he was on a mission. You know, I, how I read the Bible is I put a, I put a little, um, little of my background in it. So how I view Paul is Paul is gangster. Paul was like, um, I'm starting to hear some things in this church. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to talk to the leaders because I want to make sure what I'm teaching, the revelation that I had, is what they're actually teaching. So he said at this point, he was like, you know what, but I'm going to do it privately. So he went, like I said, to talk to some of the, the Jewish leaders privately. And the name Jewish leaders were James, Peter, and John. So in Galatians 2, 4 through 5, it says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, so that they may bring us into slavery. He was like, uh-uh. No, we're free. He said, who are these guys sneaking into church trying to tell us and take away our freedom? He said, so... And then he said, to them, we did not yield in submission, not even for a moment. The not yielding is not the biggest part. The biggest part, he said, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And the for you is 
for you, the Jews, for you, the Gentiles, for you who sit in these seats today. You know, he stated that he and Titus, they had resisted the false teachings. And he confirmed, he wanted to confirm with the leaders again, have you resisted the false teachings? Like, let me know. <laughs> let me know what you're teaching out here. And as he had a conversation with them, they talked through what revelations were, had been given, he came to the realization like, okay, we're all on the same page. We're all teaching the right thing, that the gospel is pure. And the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. And then lastly, he kind of confirmed for himself, I'm not running this race in vain. I'm not running it in vain. So we go to verses 6 through 10, and he kind of wraps up his narratives with some thoughts. God is not a respecter of persons. I think sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we think we, we got to come to church and pick ourselves up and, you know, look a certain way. But God is not a respecter of persons. Paul was convinced that anyone could be used by God, regardless of your credentials or your non-credentials. Nothing, absolutely nothing could be added to the scriptures. He learned that the, le the leaders, he, I loved how he said, he said the leaders, they, had, they neither could add anything or subtract to the message that I have been given by Jesus, the message of the gospel. And then he said, okay, like Peter is called to the Jews, I am called to the Gentiles. He knew he was entrusted to call to preach the freedom to the Gentiles. Because up until now, the Jewish people were starting to impede. And what that means is they were starting to put regulations. They were starting to tell the Gentiles like, think you can go straight to Jesus. I think you have to do some things. I think you have to follow some laws. And one of the major laws was circumcision. Hey, you know, and which he, he was confirmed in that meeting. At the end of that meeting, the leader said, we recognize you, Paul. We see the revelation that God is um, given to you. We see the grace over your life. Go, therefore, continue to preach. So that's narrative one. Narrative two, we see instead of a private meeting, Paul opted for a public confrontation. Now, it doesn't tell us, like, what the timing of it was. First, Paul went to Jerusalem, and sometime after that, Peter said, I'm going to go to Antioch. And I guess Paul was just waiting for him. He was waiting because it literally starts, but when, or Galatians 2, 11 through 14 says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, like I just felt like Paul was like, come on, let's have, we, we, we're going to have a conversation. So when he came to Antioch, he said, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He opposed him. Again, the first narrative, it was private. Paul was willing to have a conversation. This time, he was like, conversation's over. I thought we had an understanding. So he said, I don't have time. I oppose you to your face. 
12, it says, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. The circumcision party would be the Jewish people. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So he didn't just make a decision. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So now when Barnabas went to Jerusalem, he heard what was being preached. He heard the truth. He was not, he was not swayed at that moment. But somehow between Peter's actions and that time, even Barnabas was led astray. He's number 14. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though not a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, then how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? An interesting side note. When Paul confronts Peter, he chooses to confront him in his Aramaic pronunciation of his name, Cephas. And I think in, in my reading, my understanding, he wanted to make sure that Peter remembered who he was as he was confronting him. He, Peter's name is meant rock. And if you know that in John 21, Jesus called out Peter and gave him his new name, Peter, and then said, and the different translations, he had a Greek and he had an um, Aramaic name, and it was meant rock. Peter was supposed to be the rock, and it wasn't just that he was supposed to be the rock, but he was supposed to be the rock that Jesus was going to build his church on. So can you imagine the rock? changing and taking people with them. You know, let's return back to the narrative. So again, whatever time it passed, clearly Peter had changed his beliefs and his behavior in regards to the gospel. They had changed so drastically that it affected the Jewish Christians, but also other Jewish leaders. Again, he separated himself and he didn't eat other people separated themselves, and they didn't eat. But he was the one graced by Jesus to teach the truth. You know, before we get a little bit deeper into the rebuke, I, I just felt like it was important to kind of see some similarities and some differences between Paul and Peter. Paul was Jewish, or is Jewish, and he is an apostle. He's not an original apostle, but he is an apostle. He's a zealot who is precise in his action. If you remember his transformation, before he became a Jew, he was going around killing all the Christians. I mean, before he became a Christian, he was killing all the Christians because he thought he was fighting on the right side of faith. So a zealot, just um, so you may know, a zealot is a person who is fanatical and uncompromising in their uh, pursuit of their religious ideas. 
He was, again, original, a disciple of the Jewish faith. But he had an extreme transformation, a transformation by grace through faith. He never wavered in his faith or his convictions and his revelation from God. And he was taught, he was called to teach Jewish and Gentiles, but his main ministry was to the Gentiles. Now let's look at Peter. Peter is also Jewish. He is actually an original apostle, meaning that he saw, he walked with Jesus. Jesus, uh, Peter was one of the 12. He walked, he saw everything. He was, again, a disciple of Jesus. He had first hand knowledge of Jesus' ministry and the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection. A difference. But oftentimes, he wavered in his faith. Now, he had firsthand knowledge. He saw. But oftentimes, he wavered in his faith. And he had to be corrected and called back, called back to right teaching. So similar to Paul, they were both called to teach Jews and Gentiles, but his specific calling was to minister to the Jews. Now with those, you know, quick similarities and differences, let's talk about the rebuke. Like, why was Paul so upset? Now, obvious, you know, reason that he was upset is because Paul was like, I'm mad because you are distorting the truth of the gospel. You are adding on to the gospel what should not be added on to. But I think some other things that he could be mad or kind of fueling that, I'm about to confront you in front of everybody situation, may have to do with Paul as a leader. Again, Paul and Peter, I'm not sorry, Paul as a leader, but Peter as a leader. Paul and Peter, they have similar drastic transformations. Peter was with Jesus. He saw everything. Paul accepted Jesus and was changed after. But they both had a same revelation about who the Gentiles were supposed to be and how they were supposed to come and believe in the truth of the gospel. If you think back on Acts 10, there is a whole, Peter had a whole vision, a whole vision because he was a Jewish person saying, how can I even eat with the, uh, with the Gentiles? How can we even fellowship? And God was like, oh, okay, let me, you got, I mean, let me give you a whole vision. Let me send you to Cornelius. Let's have a whole conversation. And so he came to a full revelation of, oh, yes, we as Jews cannot impede upon the freedom that the Gentiles have to accept Christ. We cannot make them do our laws, follow our culture to accept Christ. Because the freedom of the gospel is that the gospel is for all. It's for all. It's for all. You know, it, it, it's so interesting that even though they had some similar transformations, even though they had some similar convictions, it was Peter who continued to waver in that. And I think Paul just was like, listen, before I even believed in Jesus, I was out here killing, thinking I was on the right, the right way. And I, I wasn't even walking with Jesus. Like, I didn't see him. I didn't, I didn't get to sit with him, have dinner, or anything like that. So he's thinking like, Peter, how dare you? Like, how dare you? You were there. 
You were there. And you are changing the truth of the word. You are deciding that you can take away the freedom of the word. So I think, you know, I'm, I, I'm just reading Galatians 2. And I was like, man, like, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. We cannot add and we cannot subtract what God has for us. Galatians chapter 2, there is a lot to unpack, but I found my spirit. Let's, let's, let's look a little bit more into Paul and Peter. What are some truths that we can extract from their encounters? And so I have four truths for us today. The first, it is not about you. Ooh, sometimes those are some hard words. It is not about you. Have you ever had somebody say, it's not personal? But like whatever they said after that, it felt so personal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt it to my core, <laughs> right? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that faith is not as personal and it's not about us as much as we think and make it about us. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves us individually. He sees us individually. But faith is about the one who created and saved us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It started with him, it continues to be about him, and it will always be about him. Now, with that said, we all have our own personal journeys. We, in our individualized journeys, if we're not careful, we can get lost in our faith when we make it more about us than what he's doing, because there is a much larger story. We are all a part of a much larger story. It is our creator who we depend upon to lead and guide us in our story. And the freedom, there's freedom in knowing that. There's freedom in knowing that there is someone bigger than me, that the creator who's bigger than me knows my story, knows where I should be going, knows what should be happening in this season and in the seasons to come. And a part of that larger story is that salvation is not based upon my works. Because sometimes when we make our story about us, then we start thinking about the works we need to do to better ourselves, right? To get to, to, get to heaven. How can I good my way to heaven? But again, it ain't about us. It ain't about us. He loved us, and he wanted a relationship with us. I love that in his power and freedom, we do not have to rely on our own strength to change. Galatians 2.16, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. You're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we too have to put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Again, not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one would be justified. Meaning, if we depended upon the law, no one's getting nowhere. <laughs> that's, that's my translation. And nobody getting nowhere if you depending on the law. Two. Truth number two. Faithful wounds. Peter, I mean, sorry, Paul held Peter accountable to the truth of the gospel. In Proverbs 27, 6, this is the Amplified Version. It says, faithful rooms of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve a hidden agenda. Now, because out of love and concern, some people can come to you with some words and they have neither love nor concern, okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the ones who walk alongside you. I'm talking about the ones who are praying for you. So at the beginning of this week, actually it's been a season of receiving some words, some faithful wounds. Some words, faithful wounds. So at the beginning of this week, I reached out to a sister and I said, hey, you know, I'm preparing for this message. Can you pray for me? She was like, sure, of course. You know, it was nothing new I asked before. She had prayed for me before. It was early in the morning, or it's in my early in the morning. So I call her, or no, she actually calls me. I just dropped off the kids, and I'm like, jolly. I'm like, I'm going to go home, work on this message. I'm going to get moved. She calls me, and I'm like, ooh, I'm so excited she called because, you know, we don't necessarily talk in the morning. So I was like, hey, girl. She's like, hey, hey. I was like, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this. So she said, you know, how you doing? You know, you, you start out with the, how you doing? Like, I'm good. So, you know, I had this feeling my spirit ain't going to be good, but I'm good. And uh, she said, um, so I was praying for you. I was like, thank you. She's like, yeah. Like, like yeah. Um, what I felt like God said to me was, trying to get emotional. But, so what I felt like God said to me was, you're angry with him. You cannot hear him because you're angry with him. And he wants you to bring that anger to him. She said, he knows that you love him, but you're angry. Now, put a pause in that. I had just come to realize maybe about, I don't know, the end of last week, that I was harboring anger against some other people for some other things. Now, I dealt with that, you know, we feel like, well, you know those moments where you feel like, I have done the things, Lord. I have come to you, and I have prayed, and I have given you all that I'm supposed to give you. And God's like, <laughs> that's great, but there's more. <laughs> so um, as she's talking to me, I immediately tears start coming to my eyes because I realized the truth of her words. 
Because, you know, it is always easier to identify people and things or, or situations that we are angry with. But it's harder to identify if we are angry with God. Now, for me, because I've had moments in my, I mean, I've been walking with God for a long time, and because I've had seasons and times where I've been angry, I know I don't waste no time. Because I ain't got time to waste. I depend upon him too much to get to through the daily things, to deal with the daily circumstances of my life. He is my firm foundation. I ain't got time to be mad at him. Now, what I love about God, hear me when I say this. He is not afraid of your anger. He is not afraid of your anger. Actually, he is not afraid of any emotion you desire to bring to him. He can handle it all. So in that moment, I'm struggling with that anger. So I literally, I was like, we about to have an altar call in my living room. Got off the phone with her. She prayed a little bit. And she's like, I'm so sorry. That's how I was like, no, that's don't be sorry. You know, like the Lord gave me the word. I'm going to go pray. That was truth. I received it. I ain't even got to take it to him. Like he just, he confirmed it in my heart. So I went to my, my uh, living room and I'm crying and I'm, I'm shedding the tears. And, you know, in that moment, I'm like trying to confess everything. Lord, what, what was I having, you know, taken away from you? da da da, da. And in that moment, God was like, I'm glad that you're telling me, but I also want you to reach out. I want you to reach out. So I reached out to my, my sister, and I reached out to my team. Now, they saw a very extreme, <laughs> extreme joy, extreme joy in her sin of anger and releasing that anger. Because at the end of the day, I know that he loves me. I know that he cares me, cares for me. I know that he has good for me. And so I took that moment and I said, okay, Lord. You know, God in his word says that our emotions and our hearts can be deceitful. Going back to the faithful um, wounds, that's why we need people in our life who are going to tell us the truth. And not just tell us the truth, but who are going to pray on our behalf that they may know the truth for us. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes they may not know. I've had that experience where I tell somebody um, something and I was like, I don't, I believe this is from God. And then they confirm it. But it's because I was praying for them. It's because I cared. It's because I loved them. Don't be afraid of those people who bring the faithful wounds. God would meet you right there. Truth number three. Somebody is always watching. It is our responsibility to represent the gospel correctly. I don't know if you've ever heard, but a long time ago I heard the um, quote that says, you may be the only Bible that someone reads. So what you teaching? Now hear me when I say, it's not about perfection. Let's go to Galatians first. Galatians 13, 14, how Paul confronts Peter about his actions. In 13, it says, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said, Cephas, before all of them, meaning he was talking to Peter, but he was talking to everybody. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Again, we are not called to be perfect, but what we are called to do is point people to the perfect one. God says, in our weakness, he is made strong, right? He is made strong. So even in the transparency of like, I ain't getting this thing right. But I know who to go to in the time. All right. The last one, Jesus is a firm foundation. One of my favorite worship songs recently has been Firm Foundation. Here's some of the words. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I have put my faith in Jesus because he has never let me down. He is faithful through the generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't, right? This song has sustained me through this season of trying to find my footing in all the areas and current seasons in my life. But it's not just about this song. It's about what this song points me to. And the song points me to the truth of the scriptures. It says in Matthew 7, 24 to 25, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. In Matthew 7, 24, Jesus warned before he even completed his great work on a cross that he is our firm foundation, that we are supposed to build our house on him and the truth of the gospel. Our faith is going to be tested, y'all. It's going to be tested. It is a guarantee that we will experience ups and downs in life. And oftentimes, our faith will be tested by our circumstances. There is a true and real enemy that is out there that is actively trying to get you to not say yes to the truth in the gospel. And then when you do say yes, he's trying to get you to give up. But we are called to be free. In those trying times, when we feel the need to add or subtract from the power and the freedom of the gospel. You know, this often happens when we feel like we need more power in our circumstances or when we are feeling powerless in our circumstances. Paul reminds us that not only Christ's words, but Christ's words, but his actions again, are our firm foundation. And we can count on him no matter what is happening. Now, I say that 
I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be hard. But again, if we were relying on our own strength, that is when we lose and get lost in faith. But when we rely on him as our firm foundation, that is when, when the wind is coming, when the flood is coming, when you are being beaten up. Listen, I got COVID recently. I told somebody, I felt like I was ran over with a truck, and then somebody came and beat me up. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's how deep it was. That's how sometimes we can feel as we walk through our seasons of life. But he is our firm foundation. Galatians 2.21, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He died for nothing. Christ died for our sins. We cannot do anything to save ourselves or to better ourselves into a relationship with God and into his family. There is such a freedom in accepting that truth. The lie of the law is that if you just live good enough or perfect enough, you can save yourself. But no one is perfect but God and his son. So that is the reason that the power of the cross, when Jesus died on a cross for us, he gave us his perfection, that we may be able to walk into relationship with him. We could be reconciled, as they say, with him, and we can become a part of his family. Translation, what we say here all the time, that we were rescued and adopted. So again, Jesus is the rock. He's the ultimate firm foundation. He is our ultimate hope and freedom. You are called to be set free. Jesus wants to set you free. I'm going to have somebody come up here. You know, um, we believe in prayer truly believe in prayer. And um, as I was praying and walking through this time, I really felt like God said, provide an opportunity for people to come and get prayed for. I don't know what you walked in with today. I don't know where your heart is today. But we are going to offer a time of prayer And I want to invite you to come forward to the stage. When you come forward to the stage, you're going to stand. As you begin to stand, our leaders, our elders are going to come behind you and begin to pray. You're welcome to tell them what you're asking prayer for. Here are some things. If you want to pray, be prayed for to receive 
Jesus for the first time, to walk into relationship with him for the first time. If you want to experience what it's like to walk in this freedom that I've been talking about, I invite you to come forward and get prayed for. If you are feeling like there is some part of your life that has you in bondage, some part of your life that you are not experiencing total freedom, and you want prayer for that, I want to invite you to come forward. Trust me, I fully understand that getting up and walking forward are those first hard steps. But I believe with everything that is in me that I know to be true, that as you make those steps and that as you allow someone to pray over you, that God is going to meet you. He's going to meet you. We're just going to take a moment. Let us close our eyes. Lord, we thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you know everything that's going on right now, Lord God. Thank you that you have a purpose, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Whatever you feel like is holding you back, praying for freedom in your life. He sees you and he knows you. He knows that you may feel lost. He knows that you may feel angry with him. He says, come, come, allow me to meet you. Come. He knows that you're worried about someone. He said, come, give me that burden. Let me help you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way this morning, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the work that you're doing, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you know every situation, that you know every heart. Oh, Lord, you are worthy of praise. Worthy to be praised, Lord Jesus. I know it's late, so we're going to just say a final prayer of people getting prayed. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I even thank you for those who couldn't get out their chair today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, asking, Lord God, that you would set them free in the area that they are wanting to offer up to you today, Lord God, that you would go into the areas of their heart, Lord God, and speak truth and speak freedom and speak grace and speak life, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for the work that you're doing in all of our lives, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you never leave us where we are. I thank you for even those 
who are here that are investigating and not sure about any of this, Lord God. I know that you are working in their lives. And I pray that you would send people to their lives that would be able to speak the truth in a way that they would be able to understand, Lord Jesus. Not adding or subtracting, but in a way that they would be able to understand and receive, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that for all who desire that we can experience freedom, complete freedom in the truth of your word and in a relationship with you, Lord. Pray a blessing over everyone here. May they go out this week, Lord Jesus, and may they experience you working in and through their lives, Lord. We glorify you and honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, church. You're dismissed.